Where are we going with this? I've no fucking clue. Hello and welcome to House of Bards. We are a podcast about, like, tabletop role-playing and stuff like that. But we also kind of sometimes work as a general writing advice podcast, but it is normally framed within the idea of cooperative storytelling. Uh, isn't that right, Alex? Yeah, that, that was that was an excellent intro. Uh, <laughs> bit long, maybe? But, no, a bit but, long. But I mean... certainly relevant, I think, yeah, to, no. to what it is that... Uh, that we're going to talk about uh, this episode. Uh, this is uh, a topic that Beth suggested. It is a topic I suggested. Because, okay, so, spoilers, if you haven't seen the latest episode of The 100 or are kind of thinking about watching The 100, which you've probably only done so based off of shit you've seen on Tumblr, because if you watch the first season of 100, it's, it's shit. But it's... <laughs> You know, but basically, what re- so the 100 was kind of unique for, I guess, the majority of shit that's on TV. Is it the 100 or the 100? Sorry, it's the 100. Sorry, it's not the 100, it's the 100. You're correct, Alex. I, I, was, just, I was just wondering, I, I know basically nothing about this show, um, no. aside from the fact that it has very recently become controversial for a reason that we are going to talk about because it is relevant to this topic that, that Beth wanted to bring up. Mm. And... For those who don't know what The 100 is about, it's generally a post-apocalyptic show with a bit of, like, um, actual futuristic stuff in there. Um, the protagonist, Clark, for example, um, she's from, like, a space colony. She gets sent down to Earth. She has to, like, survive. And then, like, I think at the end of the first season, they find out that there are people living on Earth. So I guess it's a little bit, like, Lost, but set on the entire planet Earth. Re- isn't it really, then? It's like, oh no, there are other people on the planet. Um. <laughs> Speaking as somebody who never watched Lost either, I'm very tentatively going to say that yes, those sound like similar concepts. <laughs> um, I didn't really watch the 100 past the first few episodes because I was like, this is kind of naff. Um, and I'm really sorry if that upsets you because you liked the first season of the 100 and continue to watch it beyond that point. Um, but I was like... Yeah, it's cool that you have like a girl protagonist and stuff, but honestly, this is this is a this is this is not a good show. And that 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 was what I thought, and that that, that yeah, that was my opinion. Later on, of course, you find out halfway through the second season that um the main character is bisexual and is going to have a romance with a lesbian, and that's pretty cool actually for a network show because that doesn't often happen on American network shows. Like, it straight up doesn't. You just don't have protagonists of things who are part of the LGBT community network shows. That's like a Netflix original kind of thing. Praise be Netflix original. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from their recent, um, like, romantic comedy thing, that was awful. That got rated two stars. I don't remember which one that is. Like, Netflix have, since they got told to stop allowing... Um, proxies, they've kicked into high gear in terms of producing original content basically to, I think justify their services cost to people in regions with shitty catalogues so true, I can yeah. never really keep track of what the latest thing that Netflix put out is 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, side, you know, we're going on a bit of a tangent. Mm. Netflix's catalogue is about to get even shittier in the UK because BBC iPlayer is going um, pay to watch. What? Yeah. You're going to have to pay to watch BBC iPlayer now because they don't charge license fee for it. Okay. That... Yeah. Oh, no. So, I'm never British going to get round to watching the most recent <laughs> series of Doctor Who. Oh, dear. Uh, never mind. <laughs> but no, it, yeah, basically Netflix are going to stop putting BBC stuff on because hmm. presumably BBC want you to pay for BBC iPlayer and put only their things on, unless they don't, in which case that's really cool of you, BBC. Um, but then you're going to have to make iPlayer free because it's not going to work otherwise. I mean, I kind of not... feel like the current business model, they could get away with it because a lot of the stuff that's on Netflix currently is reasonably old. So if there's a time-sensitive like window in which you want to watch things, you still have to use iPlayer. I think, I mean, if they, you know, if they want people to buy it, they're going to have to remove the time window. That's just a fact. That's true. They're gonna have, yeah, they're gonna have to bring back stuff from like ages ago as well, because they're gonna, you know, what would be the point otherwise? Mm. No one's gonna pay for it, because if they want to be a Netflix competitor, they need to indulge those who want to binge watch things. That's true. That's very true. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's not relevant because apparently no. the, the hundred isn't on Netflix. It's on it isn't at all. The no. CW, right? CW. I, I don't know all of the the American networks, but I'm pretty yeah. sure the CW is is a is a network. Yeah, um, for British people who don't know, CW also run um, a lot of the DC comic shows. That's, so they do Arrow, they do, right. Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. They do all that shit. Um, and I mean, I mean shit in a nice way, apart from to Arrow, which is actual pure garbage. But everything My else... My brother really shit. likes Arrow. I know basically nothing about that show. <laughs> Except that it has Rachel Ghoul in it, so I hate it on principle. <laughs> I think he died, though. Probably. I don't fucking care. He was in it, and therefore it is forever tainted. Yeah. People always complain when Rachel Ghul gets whitewashed, and I'm like... I, I complain when Rachel Ghul is in things, yes, is I mentioned, know... exists. I know I know you hate him. I, it's I hate fine. him so much. But, like, people always complain when Rachel Ghul gets whitewashed, but I'm always like, you do realise he was, like, a racist caricature though like maybe it's for the best i know that's not the strongest argument but like eh. (laughs) i mean it's kind of like when in iron man 3 it turned out that like the mandarin was a fake out and it's like a load of people got really salty about that and it's like did you really think they were actually going to do the actual mandarin who was a hundred percent a fu manchu level racist caricature i know right like it's (laughs) <laughs> Did you actually think that in yeah. the fucking 21st century they were going to do that? Yeah. The only time I've ever seen um, the Mandarin like done well, him be Asian and him not a racist fucking stereotype, is Iron Man Armored Adventures, where they just made him a teen genius like Tony Stark was in that series, and they were just sort of like best friends and like really got on, which made his inevitable betrayal so much more sad. Mm. But yes, anyway... So, but th- this is actually kind of relevant to what we're going to be talking about in a minute. But like, uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. We should sort of yeah. like start with the kind of uh, tone that we mean to go on with. Yeah. So, anyway, in the one hundred, in the latest episode, spoilers if you are ever considering watching this, or if you haven't watched the latest episode, um, after um, the OTP was made official, after Clark and Lexa finally did the do, um, Lexa got shot by a stray bullet. 
in 2016. Exact. And you're like, that sounds a lot like how Tara died on Buffy. You're completely fucking correct. Except that happened in like, what, 2001, 2002? It's the 90s. No, it was like 2001. No, no, I, I, I've seen like this, this like laid out. I am fairly certain that that particular event was in the 90s. Like okay. the late 90s, really late 90s. I know, still. yeah. Okay, fair enough. But you know, like, yeah, that sounds a lot like Tara dying on, on Buffy. And it was bullshit then, and it's still, bu- and it's like it it happened again. And obviously, the one hundred has received a lot of um, flack <laughs> for this, um, rightly so, because like queer ladies are fucking sick of this. Like, like this has been like I was like you know like I was considering of maybe returning to the one hundred, suffering through the first season. Until Lexa showed up, but I'm I'm not going to watch it now. That's just a fact. Small aside, it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm talking out of my ass. The episode "Seeing Red" of Buffy the Vampire Slayer aired in May seventh, two thousand and two. So you were right. I was right. <laughs> anyway, but the the show started in um, yeah. The 90s. Oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah, um, like I think the it first was episode was like nineteen ninety seven, the, the late nineties. So like whatever. Yeah. The, yeah. Still, the fact remains that this happened very very recently in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Fucking 2016, God. Yeah, it's it's fucking and like there is a long list of um, you know, lesbians dying in fiction, and this isn't what that podcast is going to be about. What it is actually about, and what spurred this on, is the writer Jason Rothenberg, and this is the quote that he said um in regards to um if he was ready to the impending viewer backlash over Lex's death. So, quote, I don't even want to talk about the trope that's out there about LGBT characters. That's not something that factored into the decision to kill Lexa. So, <laughs> mate, like, mate, uh, uh, bro, buddy, pal, you don't, that's not how that works. P- people don't, like, think about negative trend tropes like that when they indulge in them. Like, those tropes are endemic to the way that we think about the characters that they happen to. Mm. That's why they happen in the first place. Like, nobody sits around twirling their moustache, going, Yes, now I will kill the lesbians, and that will show them. Except, like, probably... Except I think maybe they do sometimes. Well, no, I I was going to say, like, (laughs) except the people who, like, wrote the original fiction that... uh, Well, actually, not even them, because the whole reason that, like, that fiction was written was because... It was actually like legally mandated that you couldn't positively portray homosexuality, so stories that presented it positively had to end badly. Yeah. So I guess like the lawmakers who made that happen were kind of like that, but otherwise it's like that that's a cultural thing, but nobody actually thinks about that when they like make a work that like harps on one of those tropes. That's not how that works. So it's not really an excuse to say that you weren't, like, factoring that into the decision about whether or not to kill this character. That's not Hmm. how... But I am given to understand that there is uh, a a, a bigger issue at work here. Um, Does the quote continue? Um, That particular bit of the quote doesn't continue, but um, here's the thing. Like, you're right. It's like no one really thinks about that trope when they do it, but that quote means that he is aware of that trope. And if you were aware of that trope, you should know why not to do that. And now, <laughs> I, I don't particularly want to defend this guy because he's he's uh, shown himself in, in like recent 
uh, yes, interviews in the fallout for this. Yes, he apologetic, yes. like, we were arrogant and we're sorry. Yeah. But, we thought we were better than that. But uh, I think that the, the quote makes it quite clear only that he is aware of that trope mm. now and that he may not have been aware of that trope at the time. And in fact, he implies that uh, he either wasn't or wasn't actually, like, considering it at the time. So uh, I don't know. I'd say that okay, in terms okay. of in terms of like actual motivation for what happened, you could see a case for him being willfully ignorant and negligent rather than actively malevolent. Yeah, I I mean I'm not saying he's malevolent, you know. I but whereas negligent, yeah, I think he's been ne- negligent. He's been aware of this trope. He's went, I'm better than that, and my dead lesbians won't fall into that trope. And it's more arrogance on a lot of writers part when they think oh if i do this extremely racist trope it won't actually be extremely racist trope because my writing is not is better than everyone else's and here's a horrible horrible fact for all my fellow writers out there your writing is not better than anyone else's like fact there's like i'm not saying your writing's bad and i'm not saying your writing's good i'm just saying you're not better I think than everyone else, if that makes sense. What's important to keep in mind is regardless of the quality of your writing, whether it mm. be good or bad, you are not superior to the medium as a whole yeah. and the landscape of the medium as has been created by forces of people larger than you could ever be. Yeah. Like, you can't say this trope won't either won't happen or when it does happen won't assume the same meaning in my writing because it's my writing that's not how that works yeah. there there cannot like actually be a writer sufficiently powerful for that to happen like it's mm. not that necessarily that says anything about your writing it just says anything like about you being a singular person as a writer yes yes it's not you know you are you know um, what this boils down to, and you're like, how does this even fucking factor into tabletop role-playing games, Beth? What, what, where are you fucking going with this? I know where she's going of... with this, but that's only because she explained <laughs> it to me before. <laughs> a lot of us, and this includes myself, we all play or create characters who are who are different from us. Um, even on a, you know, just on something as basic as a personality, or yeah. even as, you know, you're a bloke and you're sick of playing blocks all the time, you want to play a girl. Um, or you're playing someone who's um, a different type of humanoid to you, even as as basic as that kind of thing. Like, nobody who plays an elf is actually an elf. Yeah. However. <laughs> but there, there's, like, different things at play here. Because yeah. elves don't exist. Yeah. And, like, some of the qualities that elves assume in the fictions we create do exist and do apply to real people. Like, for instance, mm. short people exist. Or yes. if you have, like particularly tall gaunt people uh, as your elves like those people also exist and like cultures that are particularly connected to like um nature and like the ecosystem around them do and did exist mm-hmm. so like that that stuff exists but elves themselves do not exist no yeah so it's and- it's kind of like um you sort of have to like piece together the elves out of stuff so that's kind of where some of this comes in mm. but you know sometimes you play a character who is that's a, a different actual like real world minority than you you know you are a white person and you decide that your character is going to be black or you are um you know a straight person and you decide that you are going to play a gay person 
You know, something like that. Which is not in and of itself like wrong at all. Like, no, that's, that's part of the whole really, reason that we do you know, role playing is to like create characters who are different from ourselves. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, and that's it's it's you know good and it's good to do that. And like DMs are going to create people and cultures that have a vastly different outlook to their people and cultures. That's just yeah. What happens when you create something and you write something? Like, you know, and, and if you're a person listening to this and you have only ever played people like yourself and you never intend to play anything different, then maybe this episode isn't relevant to you. Well, and... there are some people who, like, very deliberately do that because they feel most comfortable, like, using yeah, the character which, yeah. as an extension of themselves. But which, I think those people yeah, are pretty self-aware about that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not yeah. saying if you only play white people, you're a racist. That's terrible. No, that's just what you're comfortable with. I think, like, generally those kinds of people um, will usually play somebody who is very like themselves, like, in, yeah. in pretty much all yeah, respects, exactly. because they they're very aware of the fact that they do that because that's what they're comfortable with. So I don't think yeah. those people would particularly no. begrudge you that because they know no, no. that they yeah. do that. Yeah. There's, and there's, there's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but let's say maybe you're wanting to diversify the pool of characters that you, you generally play. And oh. You're a bit like, oh, I'm kind of sick of playing people who are basically me, but an elf or a, or basically me, but a dwarf. Um, because let's face it, there are people who, um, resonate with particular fantasy races i feel yeah yeah i think you, you're <laughs> Do you know right. what i mean you're right yeah you know yeah you meet people and you're like you know like oh like what's your favorite fantasy race and like oh it's dwarves and you're like of course it is i could tell as soon as you walked in the fucking room that you were a dwarf person you know wow and that's Beth. fine <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> no that's just 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 like inadvertently weird yeah no like i you know i have a soft spot for, you know, half-elves and half-orcs and stuff like that. I don't know why. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I do, you know, and that's just a thing. I know why I like bards. That's easy. But, like, you know, I couldn't tell you why I particularly resonate with, you know, half-elves or elves or orcs or half-orcs or whatever. I, I couldn't tell you why. For a very long time, I liked playing, like, particularly um, wayfish conflict-averse wizards. Yeah. Just because that was the kind of person that I felt I was most equipped to play at that time. That seemed to be like the closest to who I actually was. And I've branched out a lot since. Although, whenever I make fighters, they always die. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I play a lot of clerics because, like, um, I think my personality shifted into this, this uh, kind of, at times, hyper-empathetic person who just wants to help everybody. So I like playing clerics now. Which is weird yeah. because I'm not like a, a, actually a religious person in real life, no. but you know yeah. I like playing Alec heal healers in like all games. Alex is the mom friend. What can what what can he I, say? I, I am the mom friend. I <laughs> don't know how I feel about being the mom friend, but like it's it's undeniable. No, yeah. Well, actually, I think I'm kind of more like the dad friend in that the I'm, dad I'm friend, sometimes yeah. not very good at it. Yeah, but okay. like trying to be empathetic, but sometimes fucking it up a bit. Yeah. I I think I'm the jerky, um, like, older sister friend, hmm. but I think that's <laughs> fucking obvious. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes the stars align and people like me get to be older sisters, and honestly, it's a role I'm very well suited to. Just ask my brother, who will roll his eyes 
and go, God, she's annoying. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it's what it's what I'm suited to. I'm, you know. But, but that's yeah. Like like, wh- where are we actually going with this? But I've no fucking idea. I've completely lost my train. Okay, of <laughs> let me like try and pick it up from what you told me. Um, role playing is a form of collaborative freeform writing, and as such, it is beholden to some of the rules. I wouldn't even say rules, but like some of the um, environmental conditions that affect the wider sphere of writing. Yeah. Which means that when you're role-playing, you're not necessarily immune to, like, being affected by the kind of um, tropes that, that would turn up in writing. And I think maybe there's a bit more yeah. leeway in role-playing, yeah. um, where if you do something, like, weirdly incongruous off the cuff, then you could put it down to, like, bad improv. Yeah. Uh, rather than, like, this has been a conscious decision for a while in, a like, a heavily edited piece of work. Yes. But even so, um, you'd still have, uh, like, you'd still be accountable, I think, mm. in, uh, in in much the same way that the people who, like, put these tropes into published works would be yeah. accountable in some way. Yeah. And I think I mean, that, that's what yeah. you told me, right? This, this, yes, that's, yes. That's, that's where we're going with this. Yeah. You know, and it's a bit, again, a bit more difficult for the DM because we are supposed to plan these things in advance and think them through i actually think that like (laughs) for the dm it can for that reason like be more difficult in some ways but be easier in others because if the dm does plan that stuff in advance there's i guess um a contingency Mm. kind of of thing like yeah the sort of contingency uh that would have things like a swear loop put into uh national television yes um just the, the kind of thing of like i can self-moderate a little because i am planning in advance whereas my players are constantly reacting to what's going on so yeah it's like players i think need to have a little more leeway for this stuff yeah just for that reason that they are yeah. they are always improvising yeah like they might have an idea of where the character wants to go but that's going to be overarching and it might change mm. like you know depending on on you know what what, what, what what's going on and how feasible the their original idea is yes. based on the environment they're in uh-huh. You know, um, and yeah. So it's you know, one of these things and as a like I will admit as a DM, I've definitely stepped into like a trope trap. Um <laughs> you know, I am not a big fan of um like the whole women as ob like like ob- the objectification of women and I made a female character a literal object <laughs> and I went, uh oh, yeah, that's I mean, unfortunate. Like, but I, I feel like like with Kaluna there are like ways where you played very heavily into that trope that were kind well, of yeah. gross and also ways that it was largely subverted because I mean Yes. Sorry, th- this is kind of um I'm very interested in like the philosophical idea of personhood. Yeah. Um and I've just today in fact I was playing the Talos principle which uh, it seems like it's going to be going into that idea quite heavily. I wasn't able to play very much of it because uh, the the game crashed after a bit. Yeah. But um, I think that in in the sense that Kaluna, in the form that she has been confined into, uh, becomes essentially uh, kind of like a, a crystal ball, if you like, an object yeah. that can be referenced at, at at any given time for information. That that is 
probably the bad side of it. I'd say the good side yeah. is the fact that that's not necessarily her primary role and that rather no. she still retains a lot of her own personhood yes. just within the sphere itself. Mm. And it's like... Like, like when he first found her, I'm pretty sure that, that when he first found her, um, Azrael was like, do you want me to just, like, smash the orb and release you? I don't know what will yeah. happen, but, like, do you, do you, are, are you consenting to this? Because I can, I can fix that up. And, and she was like, no, I want to help, like, bring my husband to justice or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't want to say that she has agency because I feel no, like, like, yeah. uh, like, maybe that's true in a very limited sense. Mm. Um, but she has objectives and she yeah. can exert influence as a means to attempt to achieve them. So I suppose she has yeah. some sort of agency. Yeah, like, she's a literal object, but she isn't an object, if that makes sense. Well, it, it's like, it's like, like, she is a literal object and she, she is sometimes treated as like, an object. Yeah. But, like, the role that she occupies within the narrative, as of yet, I don't think falls into, like, her being no. an object. No, and I, I think as well the kind of, I guess the the point of Kaluna's story is sort of, this is, you know, it's sometimes women are treated like they don't, you know, because basically Kaluna's whole story is men exerted influence over her and now she's in this shitty situation. Mm. You know, that's her story. It's like these two men treated her like she was an object to be fought over and won. And now and she is end, literally an object because, she's literally an object. like, as the 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 fallout consequence of that conflict, yeah, which I guess is also bad because I yeah. mean, obviously, she shouldn't bear the brunt of the no consequence for that. But like, one of the uh, of those two men is like the arch villain of the current yeah. scope of the narrative, mm-hmm. and the other um, the, didn't seem to suffer any consequences whatsoever. But we managed to freak him out with the orb, so. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. Jeez, though. But it's 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 one of these things like you like, you know. But it it is one of these things where you're like, yeah, she's like, I've I've done this thing where I've given a female character not a lot of agency, and <laughs> I don't particularly like doing that. I mean, obviously, like one thing with the power that a DM has is basically like if you have kind of a gross trope on one character from a certain group of people, you can always just make other people of that group and have no gross trope there yeah it's, it's like quite a lot of the of the particularly gross tropes come from the fact that this thing always happens to yeah. this kind of character and the reason why it's so easy for it always to happen to that particular kind of character is because any given narrative will only have one of that particular yeah. kind of character it's like we could do this thing, or we could do the other thing. And it's like, if you had more than one character from this demographic, you could do both, and it would lessen the effect, I think. Yeah, like, it's like, you know, it's like if you have, say, a handful of lesbians in a show as opposed to just two, you can maybe have one of them die tragically, and then it won't particularly piss everyone else off, because you maybe Mm. have, you know, four or five other lesbians. Which is not to say that lesbians are interchangeable. No, but, they're not interchangeable. But, but it's, it's like, like like the 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 bigger the amount of the cast is that are of a particular demographic, then like laser targeted tropes that uh, target that demographic lose their effect. Like if your entire cast was lesbians, like it's an actual show about lesbians, and then yeah. like it's a drama, and one of them dies, it's like 
characters in dramas die. If all of the yeah. characters are lesbians, that's just a character dying. They're not being like singled yeah. out. And of course, that doesn't mean that that trope isn't then there and that it wasn't bad or anything and stuff like that. But like, you know, there was a ca- so there was this drama while back called Lip Service, and all of the characters in it were like bi and gay women, and it was it was all right. I enjoyed it. Um, and then in at the end of the first season, start of the second season, one of the characters died. That you know that it was sad, but it was more to make a point of sometimes that happens and it's sad. Hmm. And I'm I'm I kind of find that more excusable. Like, I think the L word as well had one of their characters die. And I'm like, yeah, but that just sometimes happens. Death does visit people from the LGBT community. The reason why it's shit most of the time is because yeah, you say sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like like we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice as members of that community not to like, <laughs> no, yeah. point out that you know disproportionately so that is the case. It's yeah. just kind of a sensitive subject to. Just sort of bring it up, especially when you're doing bullshit like like getting the character killed by a stray bullet meant for somebody else, where that's so yeah. clearly contrived yeah. as a means of removing that character from the plot. Yeah, and it's like okay, like this is so meaningless from yeah. a Watsonian perspective that the only the Doylist explanation remains, and the Doylist explanation is that as a writer, you're a wanker. <laughs> yeah, which is you not know, particularly but, helpful. You know. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Sometimes gay people die. Um, you know, not all the time. Saying McKellen is, of course, immortal and can never die. Um, which yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's his business. But like, you know, and it's like, and I'm sure that you know, like, it's even worse for like characters of color because it's not like, like, at least in the like the '90s was a bit ridiculous with its like tokenism, right? But at least you always got a black character, an Asian character. Um, an Arabic character. Like, the 90s kind of felt <laughs> like... I don't know. I get good vibes from, from that kind of stuff in the 90s, like, largely because it seemed like the 90s was actually trying. Yeah. Because, like, the, the 90s didn't really understand how properly to do this, but it was on yeah. board with, with the idea that it should be done and that there was a reason why it should be done. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I... a lot of like the early 2000s stuff was like a pushback against that not being handled well, which I don't think is deserved. Yeah. Yeah. No, because like, ev- like tokenism is bad. It's writing mm. POC characters as t- two-dimensional characters, writing gay characters as two-dimensional characters, lesbian, bisexual characters, like, and women as just like the girl personality or the tomboy personality if there's two of them and that is bad but they did try you know it's just they one were of prepared those to try there wasn't really any malice i don't think no in, like, it was them just doing it. ignorance really it, it was and just that the... they, they they handled it badly because they were kind of new to it and they didn't really yeah. know what to do but they were trying it, and you know, and you she, know. yeah and, i mean you get stuff like gargoyles which is amazing because like like Elisa Maza was like half Native American, half African American, and that shit would only happen today now. <laughs> like it could have only happened in the nineties and today. Like that that's that there's like no in between. <laughs> you know. Mm. But anyway. But like that that's what it was like in the nineties. You would have like one of every different different ethnic group and then like a character in a wheelchair. But like now it's like you can maybe have like one person from one group mm. 
<laughs> it's like, okay, you can have one POC, but like you can't, you know, you can't represent every uh, ethnicity in one character. And you shouldn't, That's... because they need to be a character in shit. and of themselves. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't have a person be like a race ambassador or like the emblem of all gay people ever or women as a cohesive group, as well as being a character in and of, like, themselves. And to be fair, to try not to get too off-topic, that is a thing that I think tends not to happen as much in role-playing, just because for the player trying to do it, it's largely inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like, it doesn't come as easily as it does when, like, writing a character. But the DM can do it. Like, the DM absolutely can do it and shouldn't. Yeah. Don't 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 do that if you're if you're DM. Like Yeah. Uh, I I think I've talked a little bit before about like the guilt I felt at realizing that like the malevolent archvillain in my story was like a visibly disabled chronic pain sufferer. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't actually like the idea of this character like basically just being bitter because of the reason why she is a chronic pain sufferer enough to like cause widespread hurt to people so like slowly i started like um expanding the the plot outwards from her to to make a point of like i guess she's kind of more a um there's a name for this trope the the i forget what it's called but the 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 misguided pragmatist or something oh yeah um which is also a bad trope but like of the two i think it's probably the preferable one because it at least lends some dignity to the character yeah it's trying to make the best uh, of a bad situation, I think. Yeah, and it it just happens sometimes in your writing because you sometimes, hey, sometimes you don't realize what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, like sometimes, sometimes you fuck up and you're like, well, I got to maintain continuity, but I also got to like make this not shit. Yeah, like it's it's a sh- shit happens. It happens sometimes. I think the good thing about being a DM um, is like you have a relatively small feedback pool. Like if you kill off a lesbian in a shitty way, it's maybe just your friend Joan going. Hey, look, what you did there, that wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't have... I mean, I guess it's kind of different if you're doing something like um, Critical Role or The White Marshes, oh, yeah. where you're actually like transmitting the game uh, yeah. across to an audience. Um, but I guess kind of that, that makes your players performers as well. So it also yeah. means that like the feedback of your players is factored into the performance as a whole. So it's still probably kind of cushioned if they object to something that you do. Yeah. Um, because so, like the, the product itself is not your um, your campaign, it's the reaction of your players to your campaign. Yeah. So it's, it's you know. Hmm. But, um... But yeah, it, it's... Um, yeah. I, I think don't... I would say if you're going to make a novelty character, there has to actually be a novelty about that character. Like, if if you're a man who normally plays male characters and you're like, oh, I'm going to play a female character for a laugh, um, that's kind of weird. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. Like, like the, the character, I think, has to have some expansion to her past is female. That's not, that's yes. not sufficient, I'll, even for I'll a one-shot. You, yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, uh, all the men out there listening, um, female is not a personality trait. <laughs> it's like, no. I'm just putting not. that out there. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and that's particularly directed at writers of children's shows. 
So <laughs> it's not a personality trait. It's not. Girl is not a substitute for a personality. But it's like, like, like a novelty character. I think actually has to have a novelty about them, and there are a whole lot of novelties that you can choose. Like, you can pick something that is otherwise like not particularly weird. And mm. just by making it incongruous with its environment, you can make a novelty character. I once played a character who was a ranger, and he was a lumberjack. Like he was a a, a stereotypical Canadian lumberjack. That that was his. That that was the novelty about his character. But he also had like a background and shit. Yeah. Canadian, by the way, is a personality. Yes, Canadian is 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 a personality. <laughs> uh. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah. I think I think um, in regards to characters that aren't novelties or joke one-off characters, I, yeah. I think Jay is has many facets to their character. You know, they don't particularly have a set gender identity, um, mm. but like that is just one part of the whole package of a character. I, I think, like it, it very rarely ever really comes up at all. It's. I think it's an interesting cha- challenge to the way that other characters talk, like particularly characters yeah. I as the DM control. But beyond that, it's not like you know, you know, it's 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 not regarded as a huge deal. Um, I've found it reasonably freeing just to have like just to have it never come up to yeah. to be it something that everybody either implicitly knows or doesn't care about, and then just like yeah. go from there. Yeah. Uh, and the only real time where there's an incongruity there is when they need to use some kind of um, formal pronoun that they don't have. Yeah. Uh, which which can be an issue. But beyond that, it's, it's like there isn't yeah. actually any particular reason why any character either like would or would need to make a big deal of this. So the story will move faster if they don't. Yeah. And I will say this to anybody who's playing a... Um... A character who is not a gender you are, whether you're play- a man playing a, a female character or a cis person playing a trans character or whatever, um, don't be too upset if other players get the pronouns of your character wrong because this is a thing that happens, and like yeah. there are players out there who like relate your actual gender to your character. Yeah, that happens confused. frequently. Like the first couple of times I played a female character, I had to be pretty like hard in correcting that. Yeah. <laughs> um I I'd say also that like when you first start a game the other players will not have a huge idea of like what your character is like beyond the way that you're playing them so they will try and pick up cues from you so occasionally they will get things wrong based on who you are yeah. rather than who your character is. Yeah. That will go away in time as long as they're not being a dipshit about it. Yeah. Like you know and there are people who just will never get it. Because that's just the type of player they are, is they're focusing on like a million different things um, and they're always going to get the gender of their character wrong because they're actually secretly thinking about you. Which, I made that sound accidentally really creepy, but that, that they're relating you to the character, not the other way around. Yeah. And like, you can correct them and they probably won't mind, but they're just going to say, yeah, I get mixed up, I get confused. I um, think it's not the, the same as actually being misgendered yeah, in real life. I think the way the the way to like try and minimize that is to like heavily characterize because yeah. if you like give the character a, uh, the character you're playing a presence in the space on the table, then it becomes a lot easier. I think after a while for players to differentiate you from the character, even mm. if you're very similar. 
yeah. uh, just because like if your character has their own motive. so what I'm saying basically uh, is with regard to uh, the level of skill in role playing get good scrubs uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and eventually the uh, awkward problems associated with uh, the milieu will yes. sort of go away yeah I mean, I I know that um, Matt bless him always accidentally calls Jay a girl, but it's because he's say, talking about me, not about Jay. Yeah, but you say always, but I don't actually think he always does it. I think sometimes no, som- sometimes he does sometimes. catch himself. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes he does. And I think it also depends, like, what position we're in in the conversation. Like, if Jay has been correctly uh, gendered a couple of times already in a particular like block of the conversation, he doesn't have any problem with it. No, yeah, that's true. But he, yeah. yeah, it's. But, uh, I, I think I think it's 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 correct that like past the initial couple of times when you like none of you are familiar with each other, it is just because he's like relating you to the character. Yeah, but that, that just happens. Yeah, but, it like, just I happens. Remember, it's... Yeah, when yeah, you, you move on from it, mm. and um, I was like when Z- but like when Zell first came in and misgendered Jay, I made a point. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's that's, that's reason because I think like um, genuinely Maxie didn't know. Uh, no, yeah. You know, um, so, I don't think it was it was it was relevant un- until then. But where are we going with this? I've no fucking clue. But the the point is, is that so- sometimes people yeah get muddled, don't get too don't, ex- yeah, upset like, because you have the opportunity, they're thinking about you, not the character. Yeah, you, you have the opportunity. I think when you're role playing, uh, especially because the people you're creating will exist under different um, environmental conditions than they would in real life. To sort of sandbox a lot of different things with regard to how that character is treated and how they are able to live their life. But also, you are still beholden to the uh, effect of the media you are creating on the real world, the same as any other piece of art, even though that effect is probably going to be very limited in terms of, like, basically it being the players at your table and maybe the audience listening to your game, if you like. Yeah. So I think actually role playing is probably like a really good environment for people to sort of make mistakes almost mm. the the kind of yeah, mistakes a- that you should probably have made understood as mistakes and resolve not to do again before you get a science fiction show on the CW if only Jason Rothenberg had played Dungeons and Dragons. We don't know for sure that Jason Rothenberg did not play Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, he writes a post-apocalyptic, like nerdy shit genre show. Oh, so of course. Uh, he probably he did played, fucking play yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. He probably is a massive fucking nerd. Well, he, he ever like, didn't play like Dungeons and Dragons with the right people. No, anyway. yeah. If he played it with those, that those dead lesbians would be alive today. I, I don't I don't I don't want Jason Rothenberg to play Dungeons and Dragons with us with us Beth. I, I don't I don't think that that would be productive even at this point. It would be awkward, it, wouldn't it? It would be weird. Yeah. We'd be like, here are all of my friends. This is Beth, who I have known for a long time, and this is Becca, who I've known for a long time, and this is Matt, who I have known of for a long time, and get on with reasonably well and like we talk about magic the gathering whatever this is maxi i've known for a long time and this is jason rothenberg he writes a show for the cw and it had dead lesbians in it we don't we don't know why he's here <laughs> and, and he's just like i just want to play um it's like okay jason why don't you why don't you make a character and send me your sh- god this is weird <laughs> oh yeah and he like makes a drow um 
I don't know, I, I, like, I'm not going to be, makes, like... He like, a drow character, and you get, like, really angry at him, and you tell him that, like, there aren't drow, and he's like, no, but, see, this is how you can rationalise that drow exists in your world, and you're like, oh my god, Jason I, I, I would tell him beforehand that drow are not, I would not be that cruel to Jason Rockenberg. No, like, no, like, you did tell him, he just, oh, he just right. said, well, you see, my drow are better than that, and you're like, Jason. I'd be like, Jason, <laughs> this is not, no, stop doing this. Yeah, and, and then, like, um... One day, like, Jay and Marion are just, like, chilling out, talking about their feelings, and then, like, Jason's character just, like, chops off Jay's head, and everyone's like, what the fuck, Jason? And he's like, dead lesbians, you gotta. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Jason, you're the fucking worst, you're not allowed to put... And he's the third person you ban from... ban us, ban from playing Mm. games with. Yeah. He's the third person. We didn't bring that up before, did we, that that I have only (laughs) ever banned two people from my table. Yeah. And then they form, like... And like an, a supervillain team. That would be that, really like... fucking weird because I'm pretty sure that the existing two are like not even aware of each other's existence. So <laughs> they all like get like, together. Th- them it's, finding it's like out Scott's... about each other and also about like CW showrunner Jason Rothenberg would be very strange. <laughs> and then, but no, it's like Scott 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 Pilgrim versus the world. Like they all like find out about each other, and like um, like you have to defeat them. In like a comically cartoon manner. Um, you know, I'm really, really glad that I remembered to take my meds today because I have really fucked up dreams if I don't. And I just know that if I didn't take them today, then I would then have really fucked up dreams about having to fight like a conglomerate of all the people I've ever banned from D&D and CW showrunner Jason Rothenberg. <laughs> and it would be your fault. Yeah, it would. I really think, yeah. So for once, Alex is going to fight someone. Um, I'm I'm not going not to fight me. anyone. I'm especially not going to fight Jason Rothenberg because I don't have a horse in that race. Uh, aside from the horse <laughs> of don't do shitty tropes about killing lesbians, especially not with lazy shit like stray bullets. Don't, yeah, don't do and that. I, I wouldn't bad. fight. I wouldn't fight CW showrunner Jason Rothenberg because, like, he apologized. He realized he was in the wrong. He realized what he did was shitty and. You know, maybe Lexa will be a cyborg now. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'd fucking love that if it came back for, like, season four. And it was like, we're really sorry about killing off those lesbians. So here's robo-lesbian. Yeah. I think we've, <laughs> I think we've reached the end of this podcast. Have we? I, Is there I anything know. else we should mention? What What was the point of, of the... <laughs> what, why are we recording this, Beth? What have we learned? <laughs> What we have learned um. is that, like, you are, look, you are somewhat responsible for the shit you put out there. Yeah, but it's... when you're role-playing, because of the limited audience and the capacity for you to make mistakes in a social context, it's pretty good for sandboxing the fuck-ups you would otherwise do when it yeah. comes to writing characters who are not like you. So I guess yeah. what we're actually saying is uh, do that. Yeah. Like play but... play some characters who are not like you. You don't have to go like completely unlike you to begin with. Like maybe just change something drastic. Like Yeah. Okay, I always play male characters. There's no particular reason why I shouldn't play a female character. Like one shots are really good for this. Yeah. Do it. Um maybe uh you've never played a disabled person before. You could do that. It probably like it that one I think is kind of different because it depends on how you and the DM are going to work it out mechanically. Like yeah. maybe you pay attention to it, maybe you don't. Yeah, like it's like um, 
Matt plays a blind character in um, Two Earth. Yeah. Um, the Two Earth campaign. And it's something that, yes, we do pay quite a lot of attention to. Um, and maybe make slightly... Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, <laughs> it's like... just like... like it's. It's the kind of thing where it's actually, I feel like it, it's initially played for laughs, but then like yeah. the way that it being played for laughs is mitigated within the group is eventually going to make it like not funny and just a sort of normal thing. Because like right now, the joke is Asriel um, accommodates, like like Asriel provides accommodations for Harrow. Like, yeah. you know, this way, Harrow, um, like, this is the direction we need to be going or like um, describing um, like uh, physical social signifiers that people make in conversations for Harrow's benefit. And right now that's funny because the whole point is that Harrow's like blindness is contextually ridiculous because it's been (laughs) like on set for like four years and he still hasn't learned properly to like navigate while blind. But yes. I think sooner or later it will become not funny and it'll just be like Azrael is is just accommodating Harrow as a yeah. disabled person in the way that a real person would. Yeah, and that's true, you know, and um that that is that's just yeah. And like it was initially a bit like, well, I mean, obviously you can't have very good perception because you can't see, so you perceive things in other ways which aren't always that great. So, like, if Harrow specifies that he's, like, listening for something, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, whatever, I think, yeah. like, a lot of the of the way that Matt plays Harrow is basically in describing how Harrow does something that other characters might take for granted, which yeah. I suppose is kind of the point in, in some yeah. ways when you're playing a disabled character. But, no, yeah. You know. But as well as it changes as a DM because, like, it's like... <laughs> When you're describing perhaps beautiful scenery, you also have to kind of describe how it sounds, how it smells, how it feels. Yeah, it, it makes which is you as really interesting. Yeah. Which I suppose comes around to another thing, which is that if you can think about the kind of different perspective that a, a character that you play might have, it can make your DM flesh out the uh, the the scenario itself more, which is yeah. only good for everyone at the table. Yeah, so like like whenever now I create a new room, I remember I um created this um one room with um a kind of sort of eldritch horror tree. It makes sense in context. It it does. And, uh, I can attest that it makes sense in context. Well <laughs> it doesn't, but the fact that it doesn't make sense is the sense that it makes. Yes. If that makes any um, sense. And initially it was just gonna be very unnerving to look at, but I was like, that isn't gonna work for everyone. Mm. So immediately I went, well, then it absolutely stinks of, like, rotten fruit. Hmm. And it's soft to the touch. That's creepy, right? Yeah, that's that's really freaky, you know. So yeah, and, you know, describing the Feywild, it smells like this, hmm. sounds like that. You know, it's, it's normal. and Like, things yeah. that should probably anyway be in the description, like, get brought up, because for some characters that is their only way of relating. And I think yeah. when you have only able-bodied characters that doesn't tend to come up too much. Like, very occasionally, um, I would say the environment where it does come up is when you have a party composed of some humans and halflings and some other demi-humans entering uh, somewhere uh, with low light levels. Because then yeah. then you have the discrepancy between the characters who have dark vision and the characters who don't. Mm. But apart from that, it's like... Or if know, something's hidden but stinks as well 
Like, if you're looking for a dead body, obviously you have to describe the smell in the room and how strong it is. Yeah, so. but then, like, all characters can, can sense well, that. Well, yeah, but, is, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like, that can be really interesting to do, definitely. Yeah. Um, we are getting a, a bit on time. I would say also, um, try and think about the heritage of characters and, like, how that affects them. Obviously, in a mm. fictional universe, that's probably going to be different and it will be mostly yeah. the dm's job to make sure that yeah. the way that that character relates to that heritage is not um just metatextually super racist uh yeah but like whatever you get like try and think about how that character like what that character's upbringing would mean like how they might culturally relate to things because yeah. i think at least that if that's a skill you have to practice at when you're role-playing it's probably like a way for you to build empathy in real life, which is a life skill as well as a fundamental means by which humans relate socially. And mm-hmm. not only will it be beneficial to you to practice at doing it, it will also make you feel good eventually. I can yeah. attest to this. Not to sound cheesy, but it's good to certainly walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you know. Or at the very and, least, to develop the capacity to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Yeah, you know, to kind of... When you can envision it as something you could potentially do, then yeah. you will be a fundamentally better person than you were previously. Yeah. Which is good. And if the way that you do that is through tabletop games, like, yeah. that's fine. That's yeah. the environment that you have to foster that kind of skill. I mean, it can only be good for you to use a, a hobby that is traditionally um, slighted for being the domain of those with uh, with no social skills to build social skills. And by the way, actually, I, I know that like this is kind of preaching to the choir with regard to the like audience of this podcast, but I really feel that like the the jokes about tabletop role playing games being like the the nerdiest thing that you can do have not moved with the times like back in the 80s yeah. maybe there was like some amount of basis for that because it was like maybe the the had the most complexity of the nerdy things that you could do but now when you're like well what's the nerdiest activity you can think of i'm not going to be like oh definitely the one that involves me leaving my house and interacting with a small group of other human beings socially for an extended period of time yeah. It's like, no, I think... there are significantly more isolationist and socially inept things that I could be doing with my time than that. Yeah. But yeah, no, like, yeah, like, tabletop role-playing game is, like, talking to your friends for an extended period of time. Yeah. Like, you could, like... And you engage I, this... in a collaborative project where you all have to contribute yeah. to an extent. It's yeah. good. And do it, and it's a very good place to sandbox this kind of thing, and to build the kinds of skills that you probably should have already, but if you don't, well, still better start building yeah. them, and this is a good place to do it. So, um, this was House of Bards? Ostensibly. This was House of Bards. Um, I was Beth, and... I was Alex. That was Alex. I am yeah. Alex right now, and I feel I will probably continue to be Alex in the future after we have finished recording. So, if you make anything for us you want to ask us any questions for our faq episode yeah we are still like like we have got questions if you've sent yeah if you sent us a question i mean i can't guarantee that we've received it because if you sent us one and we didn't receive it how would we know but we have at least i have received some questions i don't know if you've received some i've received a couple um but like it might be that they sent the same question to both of us in which case we probably have fewer questions than we yeah 
like um, actually. But I don't think I've been sent any specifically, but I know some people are commenting on my videos, which is really good because that's an easy way for us both to see it and both to know the questions. Yep. Um, but yeah, so FAQ things below. Um, suggestions for topics you want to hear is always really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we and... will at some point get round to more um, class studies because that yeah. is still a series, but we don't. They're, they're basically our shit, we don't have a topic topic. So yeah. as long as we have more interesting things to talk about, we will continue talking about those, I think. Yeah, like I kind of feel like, may- like maybe... I feel like one of them's probably coming up soon. Yeah, I but... think we've, 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 we've left it a bit. Um, speaking yeah. of, actually, if there's a class study you want to see, then... We've already done the Bard. We, we have done the Bard because it's the most obvious one for this podcast, but, you know... If there's one that yeah. you that you want to see, like let us know, because because obviously we do that. We we were kind of I think it says in, in the in the uh, the the Google Doc that we were planning on th- on doing the monk just because neither of us know a lot about monks. Yeah. Um. Which well, which, us to know shit about monks. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> like maybe <laughs> that's not a good one to 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 start yeah. with. So that... I I think I think like the fighter would be a good fighter or rogue <laughs> or wizard because they basics. Yeah. Or clerics. Or clerics, yes, because we we've got a cleric. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, any and when we say it, send us any questions as well. We kind of mean like even if it's stuff about our world building, writing in general, who we are as people, as long as it's not too personal. Um, I I would assume anywhere. I, I don't know how Alex feels about giving away personal information over the internet, but I'm I'm not keen on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then of. If you make anything for us as well, if you've made um, fan art of something or Put your whatever. shitty photoshops inside our eyes. Yes. It has been too long. Yes. Um, and I think that's us. So, bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next time. Yeah. Shit, I yeah. have to edit this. <laughs> bye. Bye. Nerdiest thing you can. I'm try, I'm actually trying to think of the nerdiest thing you can do. Playing hentai games on your own. Christ. With one of those, um, not not even like with your hand, with like one of those specialized sex toys that like plugs into your computer and vibrates. That's that's the nerdiest thing you can do on your own is masturbate to hentai games with a specialized sex toy. That's really nerdy. We can't put that in the fucking podcast, but that is the nerdiest thing you can do. No, no, no. I've got one better. Cause like. That is an activity in and of itself that could have a particular context that renders it slightly less nerdy. Instead, what you should be doing is blogging and in in defense of that particular activity. And blogging specifically because that's a single point of of contact with you to a faceless entity rather than between human beings. Yes. Also, actually, you know what else is really, really, really nerdy? What? Having an anime waifu and a smug anime girl in your avatar. We can't put. I can't put that in the podcast. I, w- <laughs> I will get hunted. But no, yeah, having a having a smug anime girl as your YouTube profile picture. That's definitely the nerdiest thing you can do, and you're a fucking loser. Either a smug anime girl or like a girl from a hentai who is making a weird face. 
that is probably a sex face, but might also just be a weird face that a girl in a hentai made. Yeah. Like, that is that is also... Don't do that. 